0: welcome in loons fans to the second edition of the match day preview jonathan harrison here joined once again by manny lagos manny how we doing we got plenty to talk about this week we got a new head coach we got the season opener we got the home opener coming up there's so much to discuss but first how are you this week
1: i'm doing well i mean i think uh it's opening week. Uh, you know, we had this event on Tuesday where the sun was out. Uh, we had fans and some of our new players experience Allianz Field for the first time prior to our, our big opening on at 1 p.m. on Saturday against Columbus. And uh, I don't know that that kind of set a tone for me just getting really excited about the week and reminding myself, you know, we have all this stuff going on. Um, but it's really cool it, it only happens once a year. We're having a home opener.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And as you mentioned, we had the 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 open practice on Tuesday. We were all there. It was a fun experience. Uh, great crowd uh, that showed up on what seemed like it was going to be a nice day, but then yeah. turned very cold very quickly somehow. And then uh, obviously we got the snow and the winter weather after that. But uh, temps warming up again, looking like a perfect day at Allianz Field on Saturday. I uh, absolutely cannot wait for that one. Uh, so let's jump into the big news this week, Manny. New head coach, Eric Ramsey. Uh, club announced it Monday Uh, looking forward to him joining the club obviously got to get the paperwork situated his time in Manchester United Manchester United situated what are your initial thoughts on on Eric Ramsey and then what can he bring to the and what he will bring to this club
1: I mean obviously you're you're really excited when the club has an announcement like this and you kind of have you know made sure um, that you you've gotten to a place where you're excited to tell, let the public know uh, that there's a direction moving forward with the head coach. And certainly, you know, it hasn't been easy to talk about the the timeline of Kala getting here and then college getting here to create the process for hiring the head coach and just making sure that we we felt like those things were organized and structured in a way that we were comfortable. And so to finally be able to announce the public um, the new direction with the new leader on the sideline is incredibly exciting and uh, incredibly, obviously important for the club, but um, certainly for Eric, um, it's it's exciting to have somebody who's got a pedigree already at his young age, and really exciting
0: for for us to have him come over here and, and be part of MLS and be part of Minnesota United. As a former head coach yourself, any words of advice before he <laughs> takes over?
1: Well, I I like you said, I I think um he certainly is is at a pretty amazing environment right now. And I, I think he's learning every day, and I think he's probably you know, absorbing everything he can as he grows, uh, leaves that role into this role. And I mean, I think the biggest thing for me is, um, you know, is making sure as a club, we're ready for him. We're supportive of him and we're ready to work together. And the club is to to build something special
0: with them. And again, um, it, it's it's exciting. Like I said, I'm excited for him. I'm excited for the club. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so let's jump into the other exciting news and all, and, uh, the, uh, the good vibes around the club recently because of the two, one win on Saturday in Austin, uh, the club looked very dominant on the field, uh, We've seen pretty much that squad on the field in some shape or form. We, I think we've rarely seen it in a 4-3-3 like we saw on Saturday. There's so much to discuss, so much meat on this bone from this mm-hmm. game that this will probably take up a, a large portion of the podcast as well um, today. So let's jump into this match. For me, one of the things that went right was clearly this high press. It clearly took Austin off guard a little bit, and they struggled to cope with it. And the the amount of bodies pushed forward, I think that was the the – the biggest notable thing for me on watching the game back is when when the club had the bot when the ball in the attacking third there was it felt like eight or nine guys up near the attacking third up near Austin's box, uh, kind of cycling the ball around, getting chance after chance.
1: Yeah, it, it was an awesome start to the season. Yeah. I mean, on the road in Austin, uh, sold out stadium. Um, you know, I think we talked on the podcast about having to be mentally sharp. Um, and I, I think that starts with the credit to the staff and the players themselves, based on the work they did in preseason, that they were that tuned in individually and collectively to, to just right from the get go, be sharp and ready to go and deal with the adversity. And I think the the exciting thing about the half was that it just turned into this great dominant half where Austin couldn't find solutions to get out. They kept on trying to find solutions and it just made us even more emboldened to get more numbers and the, the attacking third and find more chances. And it really was a fun kind of sequence of just seeing it live, um, whether you're watching on TV or for myself at the stadium to just see Austin continue to struggle more and more because we just got sharper and sharper. And, you know, again, the goals don't always come when you want them to. But certainly the goal came at an appropriate time in the game when we really should have had two or three
0: before that. Uh, and it kind of just showed our dominance in that first half. Yeah, absolutely. That Robin load goal kind of summarized what that first half had been to that point in that Minnesota were getting their chances. Occasionally, uh, Austin would break out and get the ball upfield. But whenever they had the ball, whenever they got the ball, it was it was get the ball up quickly and try and break this this high line. And Minnesota's defense stood tall. And that goal started off with Joseph Rosales getting the ball back and basically running up the field with it for 30, 40 yards, then getting the ball eventually to Timu Pukki over to Sung Yang on the, on a deflective shot. But that Robin Lode's goal came off of Sung Binyang shot or cross, however you want to look at it. And it was, it was a great sequence of play because it just showed how many bodies Minnesota were pushing forward and kept in that box and kept the pressure on on the Austin net. And even though Brad Stuver had an incredible night, making a ton of saves should have probably been more goals. If not for Brad Stuver. I think every team says that when they face Austin is that Brad Stuver just gets in the way a lot more than any other goalkeeper would, but it just felt like that, that goal by Robin Lode summarized how this team played on the night.
1: Yeah, it was, it was a fun goal. And I, I think you're right to bring up Joseph's name to start that goal, just because I thought the whole half, he and Fraga really had a really sharp first half. They were creating chances. They were keeping, In the ball, they're moving it. You know, Austin was really struggling to deal with their possession deep in their defensive third. Um, And I thought Joseph's play was so sharp that it was really nuanced, but, you know, he hadn't been driving too much forward with the ball. He'd tend to drove and then maybe play up a frat or do one, two, try to get behind and cross it. in this situation, he just had a couple subtle movements where. He started to drive and fake like he was gonna go back and maybe stop the tempo, but then he drove another five or ten yards hard, and then he kind of faked like he was gonna go back inside, maybe pass it pass it uh, square, drove another ten yards. And at that point everything opened up. And now you've got Robin running forward. you've got um, Huki running forward. you got sang Bin running forward. You got the team really coordinated going forward. So the tempo of the goal was outstanding. It really was, and again, um that came again from, I thought, you know, fifteen to twenty minutes of sustained pressure and confidence
0: that we're going to get forward and get chances. It almost felt like rewatching that goal and watching Joseph start it. that he got the space. He got the ball back and got a little space and re- didn't like expect Austin to give him as much space going forward as they were letting him have. Cause he, as you mentioned, he it felt like he stopped and looked like he was going to pass it back, but then realized there's still probably five or 10 more yards there to run into. So he, he did that and did that well, and really kickstarted that play. What I guess a lot of the question or there'll be some questions, about what went wrong with Austin or went what went wrong for Austin on the night? Because they still do have uh, plenty of talent there. Sebastian Drusey really didn't, he wasn't, he wasn't available because of an injury. So they struggled in that part struggled with creativity in that part. Uh, was that, that, that wasn't their only problem on the night though, not having Sebastian jersey. What, what for you after rewatching or watching and rewatching it, uh, was the biggest problem for them on the night.
1: I, I just think it's what we talked about at the beginning. I think they really struggled to solve the best way to play out of the back with our press and repress. Um, and it, it it really caught them being a little bit too stagnant at times and not moving the ball or moving their bodies to get into spaces to break some lines and get the ball forward, or frankly to go more vertical more quickly. And again, uh, at the end of the day, we have to remind ourselves this is one game, and this is what moves yeah. go through on both sides is – they're still trying to figure out, you know, how they're going to connect individually and collectively to kind of really build a unit, both defensively and offensively. But it, particularly for me, um, they they just struggled to try to, to to figure out how to to play out and essentially kind of move the ball to the field. And I like I said, it's it's a lot easier said than done, particularly when you're in the moment, everything's moving fast, the game is happening fast, there's no timeouts to to, to re-coordinate it. So ultimately, like I said, they they were a little frozen. And and one of the nice things I liked about us is we we really didn't play down to them freezing about it. We actually went on the front foot and we really kept going the entire 45 minutes. And we really didn't let up at all for those 45
0: minutes. So we walked into the locker room at halftime. Yeah. At in the second half, uh, there was a noticeable change. Austin seemed to get a little bit of a foothold in the match, but after some substitutions were brought on, it seemed like Minnesota really took over again. Um, I want to talk about that press because that's going to be one of the more notable things that, is different about this team from years past is that press and a lot of questions revolving that press are how long into the season can you keep this going on? Because we've seen teams in the past tend to struggle late in the season because it is a long season. There's a lot of travel. How do teams, how do you, I guess, prepare for the length of the season, what you're asking, what the team is asking the players to do and be able to be able to press this high and intensely throughout the length of the season.
1: Well, I think a couple things there. Obviously, you've got a great fitness department. They call them sports science departments now. (laughs) Um, And, uh, you know, I I think you really try to navigate your your training loads, your your micro cycles, which is your weekly training, your macro cycle, which is like, you know, kind of every 46 weeks you're monitoring. Is the team getting fitter as the season goes on? So technically, um, you know, there's the initial argument, our come back from what you said, I would say is that like the team should be much fitter by the end of the year than they are right now based on the fact that you're training a certain way, you're playing a certain way. Every guy individually is getting fitter and hopefully collectively. So to me, um, you, you know, the growth pattern of of trying to build in whatever your fitness goal is within the game should be better collectively by the end of the year uh, as a goal, as a group. And then individually, every player on your team should be hungry, to individually better uh, in terms of beginning of the year to the end of the year. Now, in terms of, of, of the style, in terms of like, you're, you're worried about if you have the legs to go a full year, um, that's, again, it, it's a management of the staff, a management of the individual player, but ultimately um, what I love about the sport is it's 90 minutes of work mentally, physically, emotionally, uh, that you have to build into being good at and really around the world. You're seeing now that the, idea that you can't do something particularly for the better teams in the world is not really acceptable it's, it's really about hey this is what it takes to win or this is what it takes to be really good at the sport the players have to adapt the staffs have to get better at making sure they push the players at the right time the rest of the players at the right time so to me it's an exciting era of soccer in terms of the progressiveness of of pushing people's athletes in a positive healthy way uh and the style you know, can be that. I mean, again, you're you're getting more of a kind of explosive movements and explosive moments
0: in a game. Yeah, absolutely. There's, I just, I, I'm looking at the rundown that we have, and there's so much to to chew on in this game. And I want to get to the standout players because I know you, Kendra, and myself, we talked about this a little bit on Tuesday of which of the most or which of the youngsters excited us the most. And I guess I'll 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 start here. I'll let you. Let you go next. I was I was more I was most impressed by Luick because he it just seemed like he had this explosiveness and this confidence on the field. And you've you've seen him develop through the academy, through the twos, uh with Minneapolis City. You've seen him kind of come up through the system and get get his chance. And he was he was a short-term loan call-up from MNUFC2. I was super impressed with what I saw from him, uh, just because of that confidence, the explosiveness he had on the ball. Uh, obviously there's still things to work on there with him, but he was the one who impressed me most. Obviously, Tani passing, passing the ball off to Alejandro Braun, uh, was, it was an incredibly smart place unselfish play as well. You love to see that, uh, was in a nice area. Caden Clark had an amazing pass into Tani on that second goal in stoppage time, uh, to end the match. Sang Bin Yang, there's, there's so many notable performances here from younger guys, but as well as from the rest of the team who stood out the most to you.
1: Um, great, great observations. I like it. I, I think, um, you know, this is one of those, those games where it's really fun to talk about the collective group because a, the back four was outstanding. Yeah. Uh, B the central midfielders just dominated the midfield. Um, you know, I kind of had thought that I think our last podcast, I felt like this was going to be a good game for our our kind of experienced center midfielders. Uh, and they just, I thought were, you know, you know, just, completely dominant through the out the game and then i thought sang fraga and pookie were always dangerous always active and really um you know always made sure their their back line were a threat and then i would say um the tactical side of the subs all four of them were great subs the team you know had a level up so for example you, you mentioned luik you know He started right away from the get-go saying, I need to push the line back. I got to remind Austin, even though you're trying to get a goal, we're going to count. It. And I, I think that was a big moment for him to come in and, and be that confident in terms of running with the ball and pushing their back line back and remind him they just can't send numbers forward uh, to try to get a goal because we'll, we'll score on you. Uh, and then certainly um, I thought uh, Braun came in and, and got the goal and Tani set it up. So you got two guys. That contribute. And then you got Caden who had a great assist. So it was just one of those days where I, I, it's hard for me to single anybody out. And, you know, funny enough, I didn't mention Dane, uh, even though I think he had a solid game, but am I supposed to say he had a great game when he didn't have to do a lot to do? No, So <laughs> in a weird way. He's he's probably the one by default that that doesn't get a lot of mention in the game.
0: Yeah, I know on the broadcast, Dan and I like to get out of halves or full games when we don't have to mention Dane that much because it means the defense and the midfield and the team as well just did a good job of keeping the ball away from him. And it felt very much like we we rarely called his name up until that last minute, that last second goal by Austin, that consolation goal from them. It felt like there was, it. yeah, you mentioned the attack. There's just, that's going to be obviously a lot of the focus this week is how well that attack performed, how different it looked. Uh, with what they were doing, what they were asked to do. My question is, we we mentioned last week that Bongi and Reynoso wouldn't be playing. That's It looks like that's going to be the case for Saturday as well. When those two guys do get in and when they are available to play, with what we saw on Saturday, how do those guys fit into this operation now? Because it feels like, as we mentioned last week as well, there's a lot of competition for attacking spots on this team. Obviously you only have 11 guys on the field, but it just feels like with how they performed last week, that's a very exciting prospect going forward. Uh, a very tempting prospect for how, what, how well this team can play. And then you add in that. Yeah. You didn't have maybe two of your most threatening attackers last year on the field.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's obviously really important that we get healthy and we get depth because, you know, you, you mentioned, style and systems and identity and, and there's no way a team can really be successful in this league unless they're using anywhere from 16 to 18 guys that consistently that contribute and then and then you could look at all 18 them essentially are starters and they're pushing each other and then you're kind of flowing in and out of, of of whatever um groups that are playing well together at the time or you know you're you're dealing with the other team or you're changing your system a little bit to deal with the other team so to me um you know we we need them to get healthy as quickly as possible because. To have a healthy flow to compete in this league week in and week out, you really need um, a, a large group of your best players to always be healthy. So, for us here right now, I, I think internally for the club, it's important the next you know couple of weeks those guys continue in that trajectory of of getting fit, getting healthy, and being ready. Because, like I said, I, I kind of look at all those guys as starters, um, and I think that's where the group is going. We look at attacking phases that we're going to need a lot of guys ready to come in at different moments or start. Uh, to contribute.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh some of the just continuing to go over this match, the 2 1 win for Minnesota on Saturday. Some of these stats are a little are a little shocking to see in the first week of the season. Uh Minnesota outshot Austin nine to ten out or on goal 10 to 2 on target for Minnesota. 16 corners though that's that's the standout number for me. And it it is indicative of how they played getting the ball upfield and keeping it in those dangerous areas, keeping in that attacking third and not allowing Austin many chances to breathe on Saturday night. Those 16 corners, it felt like they, like especially in that first half when they got 11 of them, I believe both of those numbers are club records for one and a half or amount and a half and amount in a game. Um, it just felt like Austin never had a chance to breathe. And that, it, that was fun to watch on Saturday to see those corners pile up and to see how things were paying off, dividends were paying off from what was worked on in the preseason into the regular season so quickly.
1: Yeah, I I agree. And I think if we can give a positive to Austin, uh, Stuver was outstanding. I mean, he really, you know, he had a great year last year as well. I think his stats were top five goal in the league and he was on it. You know, he he made some saves that really kept the scoreline flattering in that first half and and really, I think, um, you know, absorbed uh, a lot, a lot of pressure. So it was a really impressive performance by him. On the flip side, like you said, what I liked about is all of our corners, except for maybe two were somewhat dangerous. And then there was a good handful that were very dangerous. And I think that's got to be a goal of our team to continue to push our um, comfort zone in terms of how we approach set pieces, how we push ourselves to to find dangerous moments in them and, and create good chances and, frankly, create more goals, hopefully, throughout the year.
0: You don't have to wait for spring training to start playing the beautiful game this year. Minnesota United has a full slate of academy and youth camps scheduled throughout 2024. Show off your skills, take your game to the next level, and enjoy some quality time on the field with MNUFC's licensed academy staff. Visit the camps and combines page on MNUFC.com for more information. That was that's a little bit of our review from the 2-1 win for Minnesota season opening win over Austin FC on the road. Now, man, they return home this Saturday to host the defending champion Columbus Crew, who got off to a 1-0 win uh against Atlanta this weekend, got the rings as well. There's so much to discuss with this team. They are about as dominant of a team as you can find already in this season. Yes. It was only one to win, but they were all over Atlanta and Atlanta side that should compete this year in the, in a very tough Eastern conference, but Columbus, it felt like we're really in control of that match on Saturday.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, I, I don't think it was as dominant as our, our Austin game. I, I think right. Atlanta, particularly after Columbus missed the PK, I think Atlanta uh, said, Hey, let's go and try to see if we can steal a point, but Um, from what I watched, it was pretty darn dominant. Um, you know, I, I don't think they like us. I don't think they had a player that had a bad day on the field. Um, they looked like a team that, uh, is defending MLS champs and, and they really kind of put a show on for their home crowd. So, uh, very impressed with their, uh, opening day win at home.
0: It feels like with what we watched on Saturday from Columbus that they're, and I don't want to raise too much fears, but and this is going to be a heavy part of this conversation, is how these two teams match up. It feels like with the way they play and with how Minnesota want to play, that both sides are, it seems like, very well set up to try and take advantage of how the other teams play. With Minnesota wanting to press high, Columbus a lot more comfortable playing out of the back, as we saw on saturday uh their defenders are so confident on the ball it's almost shocking how how comfortable they are passing the ball around and then getting the ball forward and when they do it's very quickly into the attacking third and into dangerous areas and causing or giving cucho plenty of chances at the attack
1: yeah i i I think it's it's obviously you're you're coming into your home opener um you're playing against probably the best team uh on paper last year that ended up winning the championship too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a great, great kind of challenge for us early in the year to see where we are and see where we are at home in terms of trying to create a, a whole mentality now of winning games and and really, like I said, taking the emotion of the home opener, but making sure we are organized, we're structured. We, we have a way of going about and attacking Columbus and defending their great front three. So for me, it really starts with that front three, if I'm being honest. Um, and it is Cucho and Diego Rossi. And then, you know, last week, and it was uh, Russell Rowe. Uh, that may happen again. We'll see. But but that front three has been very, very dangerous and they have been very lethal. And a lot of that has to do with probably, you know, one of the best midfield combinations in the league with Nagby and Morris. So you yeah. now deal with, you know, a front five, essentially, that have been outstanding for a long time in the league uh, that is really hard to deal with. So first and foremost, whether it's a press counter press or when we have to get broken down, we have to defend deep dealing with those guys can be massively important. I, I think that's the, the key to the game is just absorbing their quality and not letting them get going uh, because when they do uh, they can keep the ball, they can make you run and then
0: they can create chances through their creativity and their speed. And, and Cucho's just kind of drive. So with, with how Minnesota play with this high line that we saw in the first week and with, how dangerous that front three is how do how what's the best way for Minnesota to not give that that front three from Columbus a whole lot of chances in dangerous areas so we don't have to call Dane St. Clair's name too much
1: well yeah I I think um, you know the 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 first thing is you, you just said it you know I, I think if I looked at Columbus last year um, as well as they played and, and they like I said, I think on paper they played some of the best soccer, or if not the best soccer, but they didn't win the Supporters Shield. Um, I think they've been inconsistent with their back three in terms of not seeing games out. They've gotten quite a few leads last year, but they couldn't see games out, so they tied more games than they probably should have, and and they they probably um, dropped a decent amount of points, even though they played better than than certain teams throughout the year. So I I think a focus for me is making sure that we remind ourselves that that back three can be inconsistent; they can get stretched. Uh, when they feel really good and get forward that they can, you know, the game can open up and we can get after them. So to me, it's really about that press being tight, being organized and and really concise in that like it breaks down for them. We win the ball in good spots. If not, uh, we're recovered in a way where it, it doesn't hurt us too bad if they break some lines. So it's a big, big one for me to, to think about the back three and making sure that we we we're patient. We we make sure that we don't allow the game to go wide open where they can get a ton of chances and then certainly while we're pressing and counter pressing we do it in a way that
0: that really wins the ball in good spots how important is it to in stifling what columbus does to shut down their wingbacks Yoboa and Farsi? they can absolutely uh just wreak havoc on opposing offenses and defenses uh just closing things down and then getting the ball forward as quickly as they do how important is it to shut those guys down
1: it's really important because if they're getting the ball at the tempo where they're dangerous, that means that Morris and Nagby are really dictating the game and really kind of using the ball the way they want to. And so it's a big week for us to really kind of navigate uh, Nagby and Morris to make sure that they're not dictating the tempo of the game, but it's a good battle in there, and we're limiting their ability to go forward and limiting their forward passing. Uh, again, hopefully through our own
0: defensive tempo that really puts them under pressure and makes them play backwards you mentioned a little bit ago uh the the midfield pairing of Aiden Morris and Darlington Nagbe i don't think it's i don't think anybody would disagree that as you said uh one of the best midfield pairings in this league darlington nagbe a an ML an mls legend in what he's been able to do in the midfield throughout his career at a couple different stops what makes them so so difficult to to i guess corral and keep in control of throughout a match and how do they go about what's What's the key, or how do they? How are they so important to what uh, what Columbus does? Yeah, I think as a neutral, it's it's really a fun
1: tandem to watch. And then I think as yep. a neutral and an American soccer fan, it's pretty cool that we have two Americans at different trajectories in their career combining to be so dominant within a, a team in, in MLS, which is obviously a global league with foreign players. So, I I would start with Darlington is to me can one of the greatest American box to box midfielders in mls history i mean or mls or sorry u.s soccer history i mean he really is somebody who is so incredibly skilled he's so incredibly gifted at taking the ball in tough places and making sure he keeps it and then also doing it in a way of a tempo that kind of deflates the other team because when they really want to get the ball he just has a way to play out of it or a way to dribble out of it or get to a space where he can keep the ball moving so his his smoothness, I would say chill, is not actually chill. He's actually super intense. But the quality of his touches and his decision-making makes it seem like everything's slow and things are going in slow motion. And then you've got Morris, who's kind of a bulldog. You know, He's somebody that's like, hey, I want to go and try to win balls or repress myself. And Darlington has, does a good job of reading that kind of energy and movement by Morris. And the next thing you know, the two of them are winning the ball higher up the field and now really dictating the tempo. So it's a really good tandem. You know, again, last year, the two of them have really played really, really well uh, for large stretches of season. And, and even the game where we went to Columbus and won, which was a great game. I thought the two of them were probably the, the hardest midfield tandem we had to handle
0: last year. Yeah. You mentioned that game and that was going to be my next point, the history between these two clubs. There's been a lot of it throughout the years, especially in knockout tournaments. You have Uh, Minnesota beating Columbus crew on penalties in the MLS's back tournament down in Orlando. Uh, And then you also had last year in the League's Cup, uh, 3-3 draw, but the Loons win on shootout as well. Hook, like Longwane, scoring two goals. Hassani Dotson with the leveler. uh, Right as the clock was expiring, it felt like uh, Christian Ramirez uh, thought he had the winner in the 83rd minute. We'll talk about Christian Ramirez coming up in a little bit as well, because uh, he was on Santa podcast yesterday with Kendra plenty to talk about there uh but yeah that there's been some exciting matches between these two clubs in the past oh yeah and by
1: the way no disrespect to Christian here I, I think we were either going to open the show with him with me or close so let's save Christian for last because yeah. I think deserves uh a little bit more uh, than just casually mentioning the, the the last game but um yeah certainly that was one of the better games I think in League's Cup last year it was an awesome game and it was just back and forth and you know uh the goals came flying so it was a really really good game <laughs> i just just thinking about um how well we counterattacked and, and had some great goals was was fun so again i, I think that's where this is an exciting game this weekend I, I think it's the second game of the year um i think columbus is still searching for what they're going to be this year too i, I don't think that i can say oh they're great so they're just going to play great I think we've got a great opportunity this weekend to come out and take the energy of what we did last weekend and really come at them and really, really push the tempo, push them to be out of their comfort zone. And like last year, see where the game goes. And and last year we came out with the win.
0: It certainly feels like with how both these two teams play with, as you said, Columbus still trying to figure out themselves a little bit. Minnesota now have a game under their belts of how they're going to look in this new system and the way these two different systems kind of play against each other that this one could be one of the more high scoring affairs of the weekend.
1: That's always hard for me to predict just because I, I'm always, I I probably get them wrong a lot to be honest, but I no, you're right. It it really depends on, on where the game goes. Ultimately, um, you know, I I think the, the, the potential when you're playing Columbus for games to get stretched and to be a lot of goals is there Uh, there's no doubt. I I think in the end, the goal for us is to make sure that it's not open up a way where we're, we're, we're getting chances against us and we can't really recover. And then ultimately it really is for us to kind of, like I said, um, make sure that they're honest, if they're throwing numbers forward, that we have an ability to press and get the ball in good spots and go at them right away and get goals. So um, I guess, I'm, is that what you're predicting big goal game?
0: I think there's a lot of goals in this one. I mean, it just feels, yeah. like I said, there's, it, with how these two teams play with what we saw from Minnesota last week, there's got, there's certainly got to be confidence, um, in that squad now knowing that uh that this that this system they they do know how to play in it well uh even after I know it is just one game uh against an Austin side that really struggled at the weekend this is a whole this is a different beast in Columbus the fact that they are defending champs they look as good as they do it just feels like there's 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 plenty of goals in this one but of course I've said that a lot in the past on other podcasts <laughs> and other broadcasts as well that it feels like there's goals involved and it never happens but i just feel like there's there's now a renewed confidence in this squad uh after that game in austin that they they feel like it seems like there there might be an ability to just go up against anyone with how this team played and just kind of duke it out an old school boxing match just throwing paymakers at each other and see what happens i know it's early like in the it. season for that but no, that's like that's it. kind of how i feel about this match
1: yeah no, i like i i definitely think um we can get back at their back three slash five. I, I definitely think there's ability for us to get forward, get numbers in the box and get chances. So um, I'm not, I'm still, I'm still in my brain trying to think whether there's going to be a lot of goals, though. It's opening games. So we'll see. You're right. I mean, I, I'm going to stick with your prediction and allow you to have that. And I'll, <laughs> I'll say, I'm, I'm
0: going to cheat and just say, play it by ear. <laughs> All right. I like it. Uh, so this isn't just the only tough test coming up. Minnesota have, quite a few of them over the next couple of weeks. The schedule doesn't get any easier. You've got Orlando, LAFC, and Philadelphia coming up. Two of those on the road in Orlando and Philadelphia. All four of these teams in Columbus, Orlando, LAFC, Philadelphia were in the top four in their respective conferences last year. Obviously, we know Columbus won the title last year. That's a tough stretch, uh, not just for any opening season, but for a new head coach coming in at some point here. What's the best way, I guess, to navigate such a difficult run of teams that you're going to play? Oh, I just like that we have it early in the year and
1: see where we're at. Ultimately, <laughs> yeah. it's really about, you know, the adversity of this early season is, hey, what, let's go for it. Let's see where we are, our strengths. Let's see our weaknesses. And let's see where the team and the group can can build and grow and do better. So to me, that would be um, ideally that would be the,
0: the way to go. Do you think there needs to be a lineup change this weekend for Minnesota against Columbus, or is it more of because of what they showed on Saturday against Austin? Do you think they get another chance at the Apple and see what they can do against a really tough, a much tougher competition in Columbus?
1: I mean, we'll see. It's always debatable about uh, the lineups. You know, obviously, the, there's a, a, a tactical element to preparing for a game like Columbus, particularly when you know it's a team that you know is so good in certain areas and then there's obviously a, a mental element of it it's hard it, it's it's going to be really hard for them to change this group that played so well and the last picture we saw was that grade 11 starting that game for 45 minutes and 45 minutes of soccer um that was some of the better soccer we've had in, in a year so to me um we'll see U- ultimately it's a hard one to say and it, it, that's why coaches get paid and that's why staff prepare for for the teams and the games is because Um, Those are big decisions. And obviously, too, um, you know, as you get closer to the week, there's there's going to be potentially some fitness issues and and all that stuff comes into play to
0: see what the 11 is going to be. So let's let's jump into Christian Ramirez. We said we'd end the podcast with it since we didn't start. This is a big talking point and a big a big topic of focus for a lot of fans who have been around the club years going beyond the mls days christian ramirez means a lot to this club a lot to these fans and a lot to you because you were his head coach down or in the nasl days what 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 stood out most about his career for you
1: yeah i mean i i probably would be like some of the fans a little emotional when i put on my gm hat and my coaching hat um and that's because he's first and foremost just such an amazing young man who's now when I had him, you know, was was starting to see whether he could have this professional journey and and really probably, you know, didn't see it going where it went. And that's probably appropriate because that's the kind of person he was, was just dedicated and loving to the sport and to his family and to the club uh, in a way that came out in the field. And, you know, um, I think the the kind of um, behind the scenes thing that I, I liked about Christian's trajectory was, you know, there was a time when he maybe had some elements of his game that reminded me more of a central midfielder than a forward. And so you had this selflessness where he actually was a great passer and, and he really wanted to um, score goals, but he, he also helped us, I think at times keeping the ball and, and, you know, reminding forwards that they they're not just pure finishers and, and scores, but then they're also, you know, positionally or whether how they're kind of setting up their teammates, which Christian did t- loads of times for Miguel Bar as well. Um, he had that element of, I think actually even kind of quality of, of being a little bit of a, a passer as his career went on. And as he started to find his way in the box in his movement and find out that he's selfless with his movement, but he's also a great big time finisher. Um, and the guy has done a balance of setting people up or making runs in the box for other people. And then he has had so many great goals throughout his career. I mean, special goals for us, but even outstanding goals. You know, I think about the one uh, at TCF. Um, was that the galaxy game? Maybe uh, the, the one where he just, you know, from the corner of the box over the keeper. Um, mm-hmm. Again, this is where my brain goes when you get older, but long story <laughs> short, uh, the standout for me is obviously the person first and foremost, but then it comes to his service to the club it was so selfless on so many levels. And then just seeing his career trajectory and and thinking about what a great career and and what a great person to have such a great career.
0: Yeah, absolutely. He's been he's one of the more iconic figures in this club's history. Uh, Obviously, sticking around from NASL to MLS, one of the first signings with the club when the club uh, started their MLS journey uh, and moved on to LAFC, Houston Dynamo. Aberdeen over in Scotland took a trip across the pond for a little bit. Now back with the Columbus crew was a big member of them or a big part of them winning uh MLS Cup last year, uh, either starting or off the bench, scoring eight goals in all in MLS play last year, 30, 30 appearances, 19 starts, uh, was influential to how they operate. How does he fit into what they do uh in Columbus? And we mentioned their front three uh is as uh threatening as any in the league. What does he do to, to help that out?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think I
0: mentioned before,
1: I, I look at that needing 16 to 18 players to really yeah. flow and 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 have that um, just readiness. And and I think um, Wilford Nancy, who we haven't mentioned, too, is on a great trajectory as a coach. And, and yeah. what an amazing personality that just you can feel the player's personality within Wilford Nancy. And, and he's done a great job. I think having something like Christian, you know, in, in the journey he had last year was, when they struggled, he came on the field, made selfless runs. He made sure that they were getting in the box. He was either causing goals or helping other people create havoc to create goals. So to me, um, I think Wilfred probably looks at that and says, I've got this guy that I can either start or have off the bench when needed. You know, And it looked like last week and he wasn't needed because there was a different type of game and flow. And I, like I said, I think Columbus dominated more than the scoreline um but he's there for that reason he was there that last year so I, I think he's probably a fan favorite in Columbus as well based on kind of what he did there and how I think you know it's it's easy to look at Couture and Rossi and 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 they're important but these other guys like Christian that can allow a coach to either start him on a day when guys are injured or frankly come off the bench and change a game uh is something that is a is really nice for them to have
0: all right so let's put on the coach's hat we know he's He's on the opposing team this weekend. What's the best way to shut down Christian Ramirez?
1: Oh, I I mean, I, I think it's interesting. Obviously, it's it's probably got a little bit of Boxel in it because Boxel knows him so well and and you know kind of has has trained against them and played with him. So um certainly Christian's not always the fastest. So in some ways, we gotta really make sure we can um limit his spaces and, and make sure that we're not um, too worried about getting up and, and and not allowing him to turn and get into the box and and get forward as much. So, again, I, I think you can probably lean into boxel speed over his just a little bit. Again, not trying to be too disrespectful because he's very clever with his movement and, and mm-hmm. sometimes supersede speed. But ultimately, for me, those are the big things and making sure we're physical with them. And, and again, I, I think being aware of his movement, particularly near post runs, he's really selfless and he really does them quite a bit. And he's always hungry to make a run in the box eventually. So he'll hide, 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 uh, and then get in the box. For again, I think somebody like Cucho is going to be all over the place. Cucho is excited to get wide, you know, run the channel, come back and get the ball and run 30 or 40 yards. Uh, so that's a different beast for us to handle. Whereas Christian, again, I, I think you're going to have to be aware that sometimes, he, he, he floats in a way but he's actually not floating and then he makes some good movement in the box
0: yeah absolutely it's going to be this one's I'm as I mentioned already I'm so interested to see how this one plays out because it just feels like there's goals in hand with this one it is going to be uh as energetic of an atmosphere as there can be on Saturday because look it's going to be 60 degrees I can't I can't mentioned that enough with how perfect this weather is. It's not going to be a snow opener. Allianz field will be packed. Uh, the pre-match show starts with Dan and myself on 1500 ESPN at noon. We're doing an hour long pre-match show leading up to the home opener this weekend. Manny, it's been fun to talk to you this week, looking forward to the home opener this weekend.
1: I agree. I, like I said, you know, that Tuesday got me so excited for this game because the the fans or some probably played hooky from work. Uh, it was sunny. Um, that stadium is obviously it's special to all of us. It's our home. Mm-hmm. It's it's our cathedral, and um, I cannot wait for the crowd to to be there for Minnesota United. I can't wait for the players to come out and fight and battle for the club and for the state. And and really, like I said, it's 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 been a long couple months where we haven't had you know uh, MLS games here in Minnesota. So uh, it's just really special to have a an opener in your stadium. Um, and again, I. I've got a lot of salt and pepper in my hair, but it really is fun to uh, to have another opening year and get excited for it the same way as you did uh, well, way back when. So Absolutely.
0: Looking forward to it. Many good stuff from you today. want to thank our producing staff, Grace Dearson, uh, Kyle Hayward, and Evan Entler for putting this all together every week. Loons fans, we will talk to you next week right here on the Match Day Preview here on the Sound of Loons podcast feed.